0: Welcome to all of you to this service. Yes, we are here to remember the life and acknowledge the passing from this life of Aunt Ella. And uh, I know I can speak from the family. Thank you for for coming and, and supporting us in this way. We appreciate your presence here. let's pause for prayer yes heavenly father we do uh, remember the life and and acknowledge the passing from this life of aunt ella and we uh, we are blessed and, and challenged by the way you worked in her heart and life for for so many years, and for the good of so many people, for the many, many lives she touched in her earlier life when she had good health and strength, and she was a friend to to many uh, in the ways you, you called her and in the ways uh, you used her, and in the ways she allowed you to, to use her life to be helpful to others. I say we are challenged by that, and I pray that as we think of her her long life of, of service to you in her earlier years, uh, in her healthy years, that you would, uh, yes, help us to realize the importance of of working for you and being a blessing to others as you give us health and strength. So as we go through this service, may uh, may you be honored and glorified, and may her life be a a continued blessing to us as we remember her. Uh, Bless uh, Joshua as he brings the message, and bless us as we sing together that your name would be honored and glorified. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. (laughs) Rollin will lead us in singing at this time.
1: Okay, uh, let's begin with Jesus loves me. Usually whenever we would sing the song Brian she would usually do the sign language for it. So that was all so... Uh...
0: I would like to read the obituary on the back of your programs. Mrs. Ella Grider Yap, age 99, of South Boston, died July 4, 2020, at Berry Hill Health and Rehab. She was born March 13, 1921, in Lima, Ohio, to the late Oscar and Mary Wilkins Grider. On July 23, 1966, she married Edgar Yap in Kingston, Jamaica. She worked at the Mennonite Publishing House, Scotdale, Pennsylvania, and taught deaf children using sign language in Kingston, Jamaica for 17 years. She was a member of the Calvary Mennonite Fellowship in Harrisonburg, Virginia. She is survived by a brother, Benjamin Grider of South Boston, Virginia, and by a host of nieces and nephews. She was preceded in death by her husband, Edgar Yap, and two sisters, Beulah Good and Clara Brenneman. I'll just take a, a couple of minutes here to mention a little bit more of of, uh, of her, her work in, in life, a little more detail. Uh, but um, back uh, 11 years ago, Christian Light Publications uh, put out a book that was put together by Norma Plank. It's entitled, uh, Yes, God Still Speaks Today. And it's many stories from individuals of how God spoke in special ways in in their lives and how we can uh, learn from from God working in the lives of others. Well, Aunt Ella's story is in there. And so, if you have that book, uh, go read it. if you don't have that book, you can get it from Christian Light, and uh, not only would Aunt Ella's story inspire you, but most of the other stories, probably all of the other stories will also. Uh, so that would be uh, one place to to read uh, on some of the details of Aunt Ella's life, and, and many others that can be helpful to us. <laughs> but um, after uh, and Ella's ninth year in school, then uh, she worked uh, in some various people's homes. She worked uh, in a hospital. She worked in a children's home. She worked at a summer camp. She worked for a missionary family in Kentucky. And then she went to Scottdale, Pennsylvania, to what was called for many years uh, the, the Mennonite Publishing House which later became known as Harold Press. But she worked there uh, for a, a good many years. And we know when she, when she left there, but we're not sure when she went there, so we're not sure how many years she worked uh, at the Mennonite Publishing House in Scottdale, Pennsylvania, but it was quite, quite some years. I just remember as a rather little boy going there to visit her, uh, at the Mennonite Publishing House, and of course a publishing place, like some of you have maybe uh, taken a tour of Christian light, and so you kind of get the idea, you know, you see all the machines and the copiers and the printers and the stacks of paper and and uh, uh, the scales, and, and I remember our whole family stood on this big scales. It was about six feet square, and, and we found out how much the whole family weighs, you know, <laughs> I remember that, <laughs> and I remember, you know, a, a little country boy, I, I, I had didn't have much experience riding elevators but there was a you know multi-story building there and uh, so we rode this elevator I, rem- I remember that you know it was kind of scary you know but anyway for me it was <clears throat> and so uh, I remember that well then she she left there and went to uh she she learned there in Scottsdale Pennsylvania how to do how to work with deaf people and to, and she learned the sign language they had classes there and she learned that and uh worked with some children there, and worked with some camps there, and, and uh, cooked, not only worked with the sign language for deaf people, but did some cooking at a summer camp or two there, near, somewhere near, near Scottsdale, Pennsylvania. And then because of being able to do that, she was asked would she consider going to Jamaica to, to uh, a Christian Deaf Center there. And so she, she did, and uh, ended up working there at two different times uh, for a total of around 17 years at this Christian Death Center in, uh, in, near Kingston, Jamaica. <laughs> well, um, I won't go further. That's just some of the things she did in, in, her, in her working years. Um, before it was time for her to slow down and retire and uh, so forth. And um, <clears throat> so the Lord uh, used her. As, as, you men- as you see, the things I mentioned were mostly things of, of serving others and, and service to others when she was uh, up and around and, and, and in a healthy body. <clears throat> Joshua is going to share with us a meditation for the service this afternoon and I think we'll turn it over to him then at this time.
2: Aunt Ella enjoyed good gospel singing, in fact, I can still picture her either tapping her toe or patting her leg uh, as we sang together maybe at the good reunions or in more recent years singing for her at the nursing home, perhaps you can picture that as well, but she enjoyed good gospel singing. I understand that her husband, Edgar, was quite a singer himself. I didn't have the pleasure of knowing him, but I understand that he really enjoyed singing, had quite a solo voice, and sang quite a bit. There's a song that Ann Ella enjoyed hearing, especially from the Jubilee Three, and the chorus goes, there is going to be a meeting in the air, in the sweet, sweet by and by, I am going to meet you, meet you there in that home beyond the sky. Such singing you will hear, never heard by mortal ear. Twill be glorious, I do declare. And God's own son will be the leading one at the meeting in the air. I would like for us, for a few moments this afternoon, to be comforted as we consider that meeting in the air. And I invite you to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 for a text. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, and we'll look at verses 13 through 18. Follow along as I read. But I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren. Concerning them which are asleep, that ye sorrow not, even as others which have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with Him. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain under the coming of the Lord shall not prevent or precede them which are asleep. So I've entitled this meditation, A Meeting in the Air. A Meeting in the Air. The Apostle Paul says that one day, believers will have a meeting in the air. As we look at the context of this passage, it appears that the Thessalonian church was in turmoil about Christ's return. And certainly Paul had preached to them about the Lord's coming... And they were expecting this to happen very soon, and that's all well and good. But since Paul had started this church a year or so before and then left, now some of their members had died. And there was speculation. That these dead members would now miss out <laughs> since they died and, and Jesus hadn't returned yet. Oh, no, this was a problem that Christ's return would be too late for them. Well, when the Apostle Paul heard of this, he quickly wrote back to them words of comfort and words of truth, words that assured the people that these members that had died had not missed out at all. In fact, these ones that had died really had won up on them in more ways than one, perhaps. But he begins this this part by saying, do not sorrow, please do not grieve as others do. As you consider these who have went on before us, these who have passed from this life, do not grieve, do not sorrow as others do. If you've been to the funeral of an unbeliever then you are familiar with the all too common sentiments of, well, he or she is in a better place now. They're in a better place now. But behind those words, there is no firm expectation of anything beyond this life. They're just simply in a better place now. At least that's what is said. And so the grief of those families is very deep. That experience is extremely troubling. It's extremely heart-wrenching. Not only are they suffering the pain of losing someone that has been so dear to them, but they also have no hope. There's no hope of ever seeing them again. Can you imagine? No hope. Completely no hope. But dear Christians, we have a powerful Living hope. It is a hope that is firmly grounded in the truth of Christ's death and resurrection. And in fact, the Apostle Paul lays that foundation in verse 14 where he says, We believe that Jesus died and rose again. That's the foundation. Jesus died and rose again. And so we have a hope that is alive and well. Our faith is not in vain. The Christian has no fear of dying. Because why? Because Jesus died and rose again. And so we sing this powerful truth when we sing, Had Christ that once was slain ne'er burst his three-day prison, our faith had been in vain. But now hath Christ arisen In other words, our faith is not vain because Christ has arisen. And we go on to sing, My flesh in hope shall rest and for a season slumber till trump from east to west shall wake the dead in number. We find that pretty much exactly here in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. Death's flood hath lost its chill since Jesus crossed the river. Lover of souls... From ill my passing soul deliver. And so, as we look at this passage this afternoon, I would like for us to note five important truths that should bring comfort, that should bring joy to our hearts in this time of loss, in this time of passing from this life. And along with that, these truths should also help prepare us for the future. Give us a deeper hope for the future. The first is that spirits of sleeping believers are with Christ now. <laughs> the spirits or the souls of sleeping believers are with Christ now. We note this in verses 14 and 15. But I want you to note here in verse 14 the things that we believe. It says that we believe that Jesus died. We also believe that Jesus rose again. And then we believe that Jesus will come again. Jesus will return with the dead in Christ. Notice how that's worded there in in verse 14. Even so, them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with Him. And so... If God will bring with Jesus those who have gone before, then it seems to be a given that they are with Him now. They are in His presence now. Because the Apostle Paul makes it clear that on that day, God will bring them with Jesus. They are with Him now. You know, some groups speak of this thing called, uh, they refer to as soul sleep. In other words, believers who have died are not in heaven now they are they're simply just awaiting that time they're simply waiting in the grave waiting for that day and then at that time they will wake up Dear people that is not consistent with the truths of scripture whatsoever the apostle Paul made it clear more than once that when we die we will instantly be in God's presence And we will be fully aware of it. There is no in between. There is no neutral spot, as you could say. We are either here or we are there. In fact, in Philippians chapter 1, verses 23 and 24, the Apostle Paul says, For I am in a strait betwixt two, or I am torn between these two things. One, having a desire to depart and to be with Christ, which is far better. That was the one. Or, he says, or to stay here in the flesh, which is more necessary for you. So departing meant being with Christ. Staying meant being with you, (laughs) okay? Apart from Christ, as it were. Also, we read in 2 Corinthians 5, 6 through eight. Therefore, we are always confident, knowing that whilst we are at home in the body, we are absent from the Lord, for we walk by faith, not by sight. We are confident, I say, and willing rather to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. In other words, Paul was saying, I would much rather be absent from this fleshly body and be with the Lord Jesus Christ in a new and special way. But this truth that the spirits of sleeping believers are with Christ. Now, this truth brings comfort to my heart. It ought to bring comfort to your heart. In fact, Aunt Ella, as a believer, is safely in the arms of Jesus. God, our Heavenly Father, always cares for his own. Always cares for his own. And so as a believer, her spirit, her soul is with the Father. Yes, we could say her body is sleeping, awaiting that glorious change. Another truth I see in this passage is in verse 16. The Lord himself will descend from heaven. The Lord himself, the scripture says, will descend from heaven. That strikes me in a special way. No, God is not planning to send one of the great prophets for this event. No, not even Michael or Gabriel. No, but the Lord himself in the person of Jesus Christ. You know, one day, as the song says, God the Father will say, Son, go and get your bride. Today is your wedding day. Go do it. One day it will be that day. And the scripture says that the Lord himself will descend from heaven. That's exciting to me. That's exciting to me. The teaching that Jesus will come in the clouds of heaven. Begins back in the book of Daniel. Where we read that Daniel saw in a vision. One like the Son of Man, coming with the clouds of heaven. One like the Son of Man, coming with the clouds of heaven. Jesus then referred to this prophecy different times. He spoke of it to his disciples. Another time to the high priest, uh, there during his trial, he referred to this prophecy. And then you note there at, at uh, the Ascension of Jesus, when Jesus was teaching the disciples, they're standing around, and the scripture says that while they beheld, he was taken up and a cloud received him out of their sight. And there they are. They're looking. I think he went up there somewhere. I just saw it. but no, He went behind that cloud. Can you imagine that feeling at that moment? And then we have the angels appearing And they said, ye men of Galilee, why stand ye gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus, which is taken up from you into heaven, shall so come in like manner as ye have seen him go into heaven. And then finally we read in Revelation 1 verse 7, Behold, he cometh with clouds, and every every eye shall see him. And they also which pierced him and of all kindreds of the earth shall well because of him. Even so, amen. But the Lord himself will descend from heaven. Another truth we find in this passage is Christ will come with great glory. Christ will come with great glory. Verse 16, For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trump of God. You know, when Jesus returns, it won't be secretly. It won't be quietly. But this verse makes it very clear that it will be a very noticeable and glorious event. In fact, I just read there in Revelation 1 verse 7. Every eye shall see him. It won't be missed. Let us note these three things that describe how Christ will come. First of all, it says, He will come with a shout, He will come with a loud command. The Greek word is kelousma. Kelousma. I find it exciting that this is the only place in the New Testament where this particular word is used. (laughs) Isn't that amazing? Doesn't that almost make you get goosebumps? In other words, this word of Jesus Christ descending from heaven with a shout, with a loud command, is reserved specifically for this exciting event that will be taking place soon. In other words, this shout or this cry Won't be confused with any other shout or cry. It won't be, oh, that sounds just like this. Or, yeah, I've heard that before. No, this will be new and different. It won't be missed. A cry of excitement. A cry of urging on. That word, kalusmo. It's like that encouragement that sailors would give to each other when they are working the oars together. And they all, with one cry, put forth their oars and row together. Kalusma! Or whatever they would say. (laughs) You know, they all do it together. It's a cry of excitement. It's a cry that urges them on. There's, There's anticipation there. There's excitement there. Forward progress. It's that cry. This word also refers to a military signal or a command. You know, when Christ returns, he will come with the shout of a conquering king. It's that kind of command. And so Christ will come with a shout. He will also come, as scripture says, with the voice of the archangel. With the voice of the archangel. The voice of one who is bringing great news. You understand that different times in scripture. It was the archangel that was sent at the command of the father. He was sent to bring great amazing supernatural even news. Christ will come with the voice of the archangel, with the voice of one who brings great news. Thirdly, then, he will come with the trump of God. I understand that trumpets were used many years ago in battle to signal war commands, perhaps sort of like bugles were used in the Civil War era. They were used to announce rulers. They were used to announce... Great events. And here we read that when Christ returns, there will be a trumpet blast of some kind. You know, the trumpet call is mentioned different times in Scripture in relation to Christ's coming. My favorite place is 1 Corinthians 15, 51 and 52. Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump, for the trumpet shall sound and the dead shall be raised incorruptible and we shall be changed. For those of y'all who, who are familiar with the Handel's Messiah, you can, you can hear that in your mind of the The baritone solo and preceding that is the beautiful trumpet piece that brings that in. And then the baritone goes on to sing of this wonderful event. The trumpet shall sound and the dead shall be raised incorruptible. What a moment that will be. Another truth we find here is that Christ will come with all his holy ones. Now... This will be something that you certainly don't want to miss. Well, in fact, in fact, as we've noted, you won't miss it. You won't miss it. The scripture says that Jesus will return with all believers who have once died and with all the angels. Now, in Zechariah 14, verse 5, we read this. And the Lord my God shall come and all the saints with thee. The Lord my God shall come and all the saints with thee. In fact, Jesus said, Matthew 25, verse 31, When the Son of Man shall come in his glory, and all the holy angels with him, then shall he sit upon the throne of his glory. And in Jude, verse 14, we read, And Enoch also, the seventh from Adam, prophesied of these, saying, Behold, the Lord cometh with ten thousands of his saints... And so, Jesus Christ will not be alone when He comes. But He will be accompanied with the saints who have gone before. And with the host of heavenly angels. No doubt, it will certainly be a glorious day. And on that day, when Jesus brings with Him all those who have died in Him. Their bodies will be resurrected and reunited with their spirits. Bodies resurrected. Reunited with their spirits. Bodies coming up. Spirits coming down. That, that meeting in the air. And then we read that. Their bodies will be changed. Like unto his glorious body. In fact in 1 John chapter 3. Verse 2, we read, But we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. We shall be like him. The blind songwriter Fanny Crosby penned these words. When he comes in the clouds descending, and they who loved him here, from their grave shall awake and praise him with joy. And not with fear. When the body and the soul are united and clothed, no more to die. What a shouting there will be. When each other's face we see changed in the twinkling of an eye. Can you imagine standing in the graveyard and watching this glorious event take place? What an event that will be. And then last, I notice that Christ will gather all his people together. Verse 17, then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. Christ will gather all his people together. Not only will the dead in Christ come with him and be re- reunited with their bodies But all believers who are still alive on the earth will be caught up together with them in the air. What a grand gathering that will be. In fact, this is the event that is commonly known as the rapture. The scripture refers to it as a time when Christ will gather all his people together. In fact, Jesus said, and we read in Mark 13, 26 and 27, And then shall they see the Son of Man coming in the clouds with great power and glory. And then shall he send his angels and shall gather together his elect from the four winds, from the uttermost part of the earth to the uttermost part of heaven. A grand gathering will take place. You see, the resurrection of the dead... And the rapture, as we refer to it, are closely linked by the Apostle Paul, if not happening simultaneously, as you read it here in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. Closely linked, if not happening simultaneously. And his explanation of this was meant to comfort the believers there at the Thessalonian church. They were struggling to understand this. How is this going to work? Oh, no, they've already died. Oh, no, they're going to miss it. And the Apostle Paul is saying, wait a minute, let me share truth with you. You ought not be fearful. You ought not be grieving like that, because one day soon we will join together in a grand meeting in the air. And so with this explanation, you can imagine that it set the people at ease. I mean, think about it for yourself. Oh, wonderful. Oh, thank you, Brother Paul. Thank you for clearing this up. We were ignorant in this. Not only was it a comfort and encouragement to them in their little dilemma at that time, but what a comfort it brings to my heart, and I trust to your heart today as well, to be reminded of these glorious truths that we look forward to. Jesus Christ, the same yesterday today, and forever. And we look forward to the fulfillment of these promises. Well, he ended by saying, wherefore, comfort one another with these words. That is my desire and my prayer this afternoon, that even in the midst of this passing, which tugs at our heart, which brings some pain to us, we don't enjoy these experiences None of us enjoy going to funerals. And yet, it's in these times that our faith can be strengthened and that we can be reminded once again of that great place and plan that God has for us. I want to challenge each one of you to be found faithful. Jesus asked a very sobering question in Luke chapter 18. He says, When the Son of Man comes, will He find faith on the earth? Will He find faith on the earth? I believe He will. But the question that is very pertinent for each one of us individually this afternoon is, will He find faith in your life? Will you be one of the ones that are standing faithful? Will you be a part of the church of Jesus Christ when He returns? May we each be found faithful.
1: So
0: So as many of you know, Aunt Ella didn't hear very well in the last years. And so uh, even to go visit her, sometimes it was hard to to have much of a, a communication or conversation because she, she just couldn't hear you very well. But And so with that in mind, when Mildred and I would go, um, I would usually take a, just a songbook along so that... Uh, you know when i couldn't remember what to sing i could open it up and we would the two of us would just sit there and sing and uh and even though she we we probably sang maybe sometimes softer than i tried to talk to her loudly <laughs> even though we sang softer than that immediately she was there uh, immediately she, her the smile would come and she would join us in singing you know not very loud but uh, lipping the words and then oftentimes getting her hands involved with the sign language. Uh, it was so wonderful to be able to visit with her that way and communicate with her that way with a song when it was hard to talk because she couldn't hardly hear, you know. Well, the service will conclude at the grave, and uh, we are so glad that. Uh, James Groff and his his wife can be here. Um, uh, he is one of the ministers at at uh, Calvary Mennonite Fellowship, where she had been a member for years. Um, there near Harrisonburg, one of the ministers there. He is, and so uh, we're so glad that that he and his wife can can be here to share. And so he will be in charge of the uh, at uh, of the part at the grave. So we'll. Uh, give our time to David then to take it from here uh, and to get us out to, to, the, uh, to the graveyard.